We started out in 2008, and our ambition was to build capacity in communities, and we have learned such a lot in that period of time. Um, and I just want to briefly set some context. As we said, we've, we've now worked with more than 18,000 people in communities, and the number continues to grow. And we are working in, in different parts of the country, principally with clinical commissioning groups at the moment. Our definition of a community health champion is somebody who voluntarily brings their own life experience, their assets, their skills, their motivations, and their ability to relate to people to promote health in their community. It might be their family, their friends, the street that they live in, their local neighbourhood. And, and now, for us, the place that we're at with this is about it's about working with people who, who are in their practice or people who use um, health services and social care services. It's a really simple model. We engage people from communities. We recruit for diversity. We, we, we know how to do it. We've well evaluated the work that we've done, and we know that we can reach people who others might consider to be hard to reach. We work with them in a, in a training program, which basically builds their knowledge, their confidence, their self-esteem, so that they're able to work with us on a level playing field. But it, it isn't really about equipping people with special knowledge or with expertise. It's about helping people to realise that they bring with them an absolute vast range of skills and assets, but they just perhaps don't realise that, that, that that's a value at that point in time. And then the next step is really important. It's around supporting people into that volunteering role, into that engagement role. And we, we put a lot of emphasis on that. And we also are, are interested in how we can um, support people on, on into other pathways, so into employment and into training. And in one of our projects in Sheffield, more than 40% of the 300 volunteer champions are now in meaningful paid employment it's staggering. I mean, as an employment project, it would be doing exceptionally well, but we didn't ever set out to do that. The model's a really simple model. It's an empowerment model. It's about building skills and knowledge and building confidence. And, and, and when we designed this model, we said it was about system challenge. I think that's wrong, but I, I can't actually change this slide because it's one of these professionally produced things. It's about system change, and it's about working as partners with the system to bring about system change. In terms of evaluation and evidence, we've done a lot of work. We've been doing this work for five years, so we've, we've managed to pull together um, the evidence that exists for, for the value of lay workers working with us. And if you go to our All Together Better website, it's all there. As well as the evidence, we've got some fantastic, amazing stories of individual volunteers. And the stories in terms of the changes it makes for people individually are staggering. Again, they're on the website. I want to tell you this story briefly. This is a story of Lisa Cox. Lisa is a volunteer for us in Sheffield. She was abused as a child. She's been self-harming for most of her life, heavy user of mental health services, has a, had an amazing GP, and the GP was putting two appointments together so Lisa could get support. She was on an 18-month waiting list to see counselling service. She saw an advert for Community Health Champions and came and did some training. So she came on the course. She realised that she was a fun person in the group. She had lots to offer. She started volunteering with the project. She ended up volunteering almost full-time for three and a half years. That's the generosity of spirit. 
running chair-based exercise in older people's groups. But the older people said, we don't want to do chair-based exercise. We want to go to Blackpool. So um, so Lisa, Lisa learned how to drive the minibus. So that's about people in community working with community around true needs. So she, she went from strength to strength. She started to run a group called the TGI Friday group for other people, young women who were in a similar position. So people who were depressed, isolated, people who were just in difficult situations. Of those 20 people in the group, all of them are now in meaningful paid employment. It's staggering. And the, and, and a person, Olivia told me this fact, um, the cost of a person out of employment is £16,500 to the state. So if we can get somebody into employment, they're not, you know, they're not on income benefits, they're paying taxes. And then that's before we even think about the true value, which is the fact that this work has saved Lisa's life. Lisa got a call from the counselling service to say her appointment was ready. And she said, no, thank you. But if you've got anybody on your waiting list, they might want to come to my group. So that her example shows you that it improves Lisa's health and well-being and the health and well-being of other people. She also has a voice. So she's, got, she's confident. She's empowered. She speaks to other champions. She supports other people. She's now got a full-time job, and she works as a volunteer coordinator in Sheffield. She met the Prime Minister with us when we won the Big Society Award, and she gave him a run for his money. And insisted that she told him her story and that helped us, that opened up doors. So she influences in her surgery, she influences at all sorts of different levels. What I'd like to do is also tell you a story about how we've taken what we've learned about the volunteers and taken it into services and we've done some really lovely work in accident and emergency. This is probably not the beginning of the story, actually. We started in practices, but Michael's talked to you a lot about work in practices, and we've, we've done that similar work in three GP practices in Leeds and also in accident emergency. When we, when we first recruited the volunteers, we knew that they had lots to offer. We knew about people like Lisa, and we knew that there were 18,000 others of those people. And we, we had learned that people are resourceful, that they are resources, that if we work together with them in a meaningful relationship, we can do some really special things. So we invited them to become ED champions, and 40 people trained to start with, and basically it's about being there. They go into the department, and they're just there for people. People get there, they're alone, they're frightened, they're sometimes angry, they've waited a long time, they're upset. We also know that more than 50% of all diagnoses in accident and emergency are inaccurate. So there's a major issue. So our hope was that if, if we could work with people so they were more comfortable, they were having a better experience, this could make a difference. The first champion who was trained on his first day in any told us this amazing story. So this wasn't about building up after months and months of lots of different stories and picking a story. First day, first champion. Um, Phil went on to a &E. um, It was fairly quiet, so he found an, an elderly lady in a cubicle and um, started to chat to her. She was in there, nothing to do, anxious, um, been there for about two, three hours, cold. So he went and find a, found a blanket She's beginning to feel better, more comfortable. They begin to chat. She's hungry because it's over lunchtime. So he checked with a member of the staff, went to buy a sandwich, came back. She had something to eat. She's beginning to relax. She's beginning to chat to him. She then tells him that her elderly husband, who's in some daycare centre in the morning, um, who, who doesn't walk well, um, has to get home, but she's not there. There's 10 steps 
it's snowing and she's frantic basically she's not in a place where she's going to have a good clinical consultation so Phil manages somehow to get a message to the husband it's not a straightforward telephone call manages to do that with her help and comes back she's settled she's calm she's relaxed she has a clinical consultation that makes sense the clinicians are happy Phil's really happy because now he understands what it means to be a champion. It's quite hard when people first come forward. What does this mean? He really gets it. The patient's extraordinarily happy. She couldn't have had a better service. And this is all with a backdrop of Francis behind it. So it seems so obvious that if we work with people, different things can happen. And we built on this. So that was the first experience. What we're trying to do is identify patterns and themes and trends. We are discovering lots of people are cold. So why don't we have blankets and cubicles? Why do we have, you know, so this is not about the volunteers being handmaidens to this. It's about, with the system, identifying the things that need to be done differently to make it a better outcome. So this work isn't about either placing people in accident and emergency. It's about volunteers working with the system. So we're really interested in co-production. We're really interested in the relationship and the dynamic between. So what is the conversation between the, the, the patient and the clinicians, between the practices and their communities? And I'll talk some more about the practices. The practices are very, very much like the, the, the practice experience that Michael talked about. We did this in three GP practices in Leeds, one in each of the three CCG areas, and we did the same thing invited people, the practice put out the invitation and that was what was special to the volunteers. We have evaluated it, it's just in the writing at the moment so we're not quite ready to share it. But the volunteers said it was such an honour to be asked by our practice. So lots of the practices keep uh, mobile phone numbers, just a simple text message, would you like to join us? One of the practices had more than 100 offers of people wanting to come forward to work with them. We've now trained um, in three practices probably about 150 people. And the only thing that was stopping us doing more was funding. We have now got funding to do this work nationally in, in areas in the northeast and some areas of Yorkshire and Humber. In starting this work, what we realise is um, it changes the relationship between the practice and their community. And um, I've got another example just to show how different things can happen. We do the training and we have a meeting. The first meeting we have is a co-production meeting. It's not about what are we going to do, it's about how are we going to work. So there's something about rules of engagement. It's not about how are we going to use our volunteers. And that's the language staff use, how are we going to use our volunteers. They're not going to have them for very long if, they, if that's the language that you use. We have a compact and it's agreement an agreement about how we're going to work together. And it's about how we create the conditions in a practice for this to work. And if I invited you to my home to help me with the decorating, I would be in. <laughs> I would make sure that there was tea and coffee and the best cake I could find. I'd make sure you had a good time. Practices don't seem to always take that on board. You know, so sometimes the champions will turn up, nobody knows that they're coming, a room isn't booked, it takes 10 minutes to get into a room, somebody comes in and interrogates them about why they're there, it isn't going to work. It's just basic. What would I do if I was at home and I was inviting people to help me? We have to apply those same principles. Um, so that's really important. And then we, do, we talk about what's important to us, what are we going to work on. The practice says these are our priorities, Chaplin says this is what we're interested in, and we find the overlap in the middle, and that's the bit that we work on. So it's totally driven by need and their desire and their passion to do something differently. The first meeting that I attended on, in one of the practices, the practice said, 
We've got really poor uptake of cervical cytology screening services. The population speaks 44 different languages, really diverse community. What languages, they say, shall we translate our leaflet in? So they're using volunteers in a consultation sense. And the, the volunteers say, it's not an issue of languages or leaflets. I, we think there's a myth in our community about whether it's okay to take up these services. And so what I could do, what we could do, is we could go talk to the imam and we could ask them to draw up a fatwa. The fatwa could go out at the, at the same time as the cytology screening invitation and then you've overcome a barrier. And at that point, when that conversation happened, you could feel respect move across the table. And this work for us, the guiding principles of this work is it's about peers. The language of volunteers, isn't that helpful? Because people see people as volunteers in a hierarchical sense. What we're trying to do is to say, these people are peers, they're equals, they bring something that we wouldn't dream of. And I think that example is a really good example of that. This particular article is in our a newsletter we produce. If you want to find more about out about what we do, again, go to the website. This stuff is on the website. Um, this is an article about some of the work happening in practices that the practice in the Champions Corps produce. So similar things to the things Michael talked about breastfeeding groups, COPD groups, walking groups, social gatherings. There's a group called Pudsey Adults with Time to Spare, and they didn't want to do just one social activity for those people who were isolated. They've got, it's like a hub and spoke, so they've got people who are going to jazz nights, open mic nights, they've got a cafe, they're raising money for Marie Curie. There's, a, there's so many things, art classes. And that particular practice, they've worked out their five-year sort of financial trajectory. They've, just, they've worked out they're going to go bust. They can't, cannot maintain the, the service that they do in terms of their long-term conditions and dementia. And so what they've done is they've designed their whole practice around a health and well-being strategy. They have more than 100 volunteer practice champions. They're working with the voluntary sector as partners. They've invested as partners, like Michael's example, in a health and well-being centre. To building, and then they've invited the community to join them as peers. What they've said about what it means to them financially is, we can sell it. You know, worst case scenario, we can sell it. But they're working with the volunteers to actually bring in the energy, the enthusiasm, the activity. I, I could talk forever. This work is just so compelling. It's so, every time I go somewhere, I hear another story. And every time I, I go somewhere, I'm moved. And every time I go somewhere, I can see that this is going to add huge value to services. And we've managed to um, not just understand that in communities but are beginning to have that conversations with CCGs and influencers. So right now we're working with 13 CCGs and if people are interested we're really interested in how we can share what, we, what we've learned with more people because we really believe that if we build capacity in community and do things together we'll do a much better job.